On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla held its annual shareholder meeting this week and there is plenty to talk about. The topics include the Cybertruck, Tesla's next cars, plural, Optimus, the next-gen Roadster, and more. I've got highlight clips from Elon Musk and analysis of all of the information presented. Stay tuned. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode 407 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for May 21st, 2023. I am flanked on either side by the dogs of my household here. Good to be with you. It is a big week in Tesla news. Of course, the Tesla shareholder meeting happened this past week. I've got so many clips, about a dozen of them for you, just trying to boil down the entire, what, hour and a half or so presentation, actually more like hour and 45 minutes, down to uh, a more manageable time, get you the, all the best highlights, the analysis of that. But first, I wanted to start with a little bit of a Tesla aside. So this past week, I saw a car in my neighborhood parked on the street. It was a Model 3. I'm walking by it with Daisy as I'm just taking her for a walk. And I just happened to glance over and the protective temporary plastic film that comes from the factory is still on the center screen. And I look, wait a second, I feel like I've seen this car before. So I back up to the, to the back of the car, the license plate. And yes, this car has been on the road for at least a year based on the, the, the registration and the license plate number. You could tell there's like, this thing's been on the road for a while and this person still got their, their temporary, screen uh, film on there that's meant to be peeled off when you take delivery of the car. So, and I realized, well, wait a second, I've seen this sometimes before and, I, and I'm thinking, well, you know what? I think this is just my OCD triggering here. So I wanted to get a, a, a temperature. I want to just take the temperature of the, of the Ride the Lightning community on this. So I made this the subject of this week's Patreon poll. I wanted to know, basically, is this just my OCD or do like do lots of people do this or do I just happen to be seeing a small handful of cars that have left it on for whatever reason? So I put this up on Patreon. Uh, the poll can be voted on by anybody. You don't have to be a Patreon backer. Just go to Tesla, not Tesla.com. I'm not on Tesla.com. Patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. I usually put the poll questions up on Tuesday nights. So again, it, the question this week was simply, have you peeled the factory protective film off of your Tesla's center touchscreen? And it, I guess it made me feel a little better maybe because 87% of you, of over 200 people that voted, voted yes, you have peeled the protective film off. 5% said no, and 8% said, I don't have a Tesla yet, or just show me the results on this. So I just want to thank all of you for, for helping me feel a little bit better about it. I do occasionally see cars that drive around with it, uh, and it's, it's just, it's a little strange to me. I'm not judging anybody. But it's, you know, it's, there, there are bubbles in it. Like, it's not meant to be a perfect 
screen protector like you can get from Abstract Ocean or one of the other third-party vendors. But in any case, I just thought I would run that as a fun poll. So thank you all for humoring me this week. Now, speaking of my Patreon, again, this is a listener-supported podcast. The podcast is always free. It's always been free. It always will be free. It comes out every single Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. But if you so choose, if you find it in your heart to support me and my consistent, enthusiastic, well-researched efforts that I put in week in and week out here on this podcast, I would be eternally grateful if you would consider a pledge on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Podcast to find all of the different support tiers and all that stuff. But at that $10 a month tier, that gets you, A, early access to each week's show, which is also what you get at the $5 tier, the base level tier. But that $10 a month tier also gets you access to the now 47 weekly lightning round bonus mini episodes. And this one, the 47th, was about my revised Cybertruck pricing predictions I want to say thank you to Patreon backer Weston Anderson for reaching out to me, messaging me on Patreon, and suggesting, well, I would say inspiring this topic. So again, head on over to patreon.com slash Podcast if you would like to hear those 47 lightning round episodes. You just back me, back me on Patreon, and they will all be there for you instantaneously, along with, of course, every upcoming, every future lightning round for you. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's dive in the annual shareholder meeting. It got kicked off this past week at Giga Texas with Tesla's chair of the board, Robin Denholm. I wanted to play you her seven-minute opening statement because we really don't get to hear from her very often. So here's Robin. Hello, everyone. For the board, I am really honoured to welcome you all here today to the 2023 annual shareholder meeting. It's wonderful for me to see everyone in the room today and also the many investors that have joined us today via the virtual live stream. It's our third straight year of having the annual meeting here in Austin. At the first meeting, the factory was still in the early stages of development with equipment being installed and commissioned. During the 2022 meeting, production had started to ramp as we produced about 1,600 vehicles that week. And now, less than a year later, we have more than tripled the amount, having achieved production of 5,000 cars in a single week. A huge congratulation to the Texas team. And on top of that, we are getting ready to roll out our first Cybertrucks. This exponential trajectory of the Gigafactory here in Texas is a reflection of Tesla as a whole. In 2022 was another record-breaking year for us with deliveries growing by 40% year over year. And that trend has continued in the first quarter of 2023. We would not be able to achieve this growth without the dedication of our amazing employees. 
I've been fortunate enough over the years to actually travel to many of our locations, all of the gigafactories around the world, and I can tell you that I've witnessed firsthand how our exceptional employees in, the, in our global talent across the world has together achieved our mission or furthered our mission of accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy. A huge round of applause, please. This year, here in Texas, we also had our very first Investor Day, where we introduced our company leaders from design to engineering to supply chain, manufacturing, energy and charging. And they each spoke about the role of their teams in making our mission come to life. And I was thrilled that investors were able to hear directly from this outstanding leadership team that Elon has been able to put together over many, many years. It is on the strength of their leadership and the hard work of our dedicated employees around the world that I believe we are not only weather the macroeconomic environment that we've seen this year, but also continue to be in the strongest position ever to advance Tesla's mission. As a startup, Tesla proved that electric vehicles could be fun with the Roadster. They could even be better than gas-powered vehicles in every single way with the SNX, and could be all of these things as well as affordable with the Model 3 and Model Y, which last quarter became the best-selling vehicle of any kind in Europe and the best-selling non-pickup vehicle in the United States. And today, as, part, as one of the world's largest global companies, we plan to change the paradigm again by forging the path to achieving a global sustainable energy economy as set out at our Investor Day in our Master Plan 3. As Tesla grows, so do our customers' positive impact on carbon emissions. When I stood here last year, I proudly announced that in 2021, our customers avoided emitting 8.4 million metric tonnes of greenhouse gas emissions, the equivalent of over 20 billion miles driven by internal combustion engine vehicles. Today, I can tell you that in 2022, our customers avoided releasing over 13.4 million metric tonnes of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, the equivalent of over 33 billion miles of driving of inter internal combustion vehicles. That's, that's an almost 60% increase in total emission savings year over year. Putting more of our products in customers' hands helps grow that number and our goals of making our products greener over time and further decarbonising the electric grid will help multiply that effect. As part of that goal, I am delighted to say that as described in our recent impact report, our global supercharging network was again 100% renewable in 2022. We've been able to achieve all of this while maintaining, sorry, maintaining 
industry margins, industry leading margins, and generating strong cash flows over the last several years. Going forward, we will continue our focus on capital investment plans to support our future growth with investments in batteries, in vehicle production, including the next generation platform, in the building of our lithium refinery that we recently uh, broke ground on, in, in the energy storage factories, in our sales and service footprint, and in our charging network, among other things. Before I hand it back to Martin, I would also like to thank Hiro Mizuno for his dedicated service to the Tesla shareholders and the board these past three years. I would also like to express our enthusiasm on behalf of my fellow directors at the prospect of JB Straubel joining our board. <laughs> I don't have to tell you that his passion for Tesla and green tech will make him an important asset in our mission to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. So again, on behalf of the, our full board, thank you for your tremendous support and welcome to your 2023 shareholder meeting. So a nice recap of the past year from Robin Denholm there again. She's the chair of the Tesla board who, as I said, we really only get to hear from once a year. So I just wanted to play her opening remarks for you there. Great to hear that the 40% year-over-year growth is continuing thus far into 2023, one quarter into 2023. Oh, and uh, speaking of J.B. Straubel, who you heard about in there, as you probably guessed, he was approved by shareholders as the newest Tesla board member. Here is a clip of that moment of him being confirmed as a new board member as announced by Tesla's VP of Investor Relations, Martin Viecha. I declare the polls are now closed. Based on proxies we have previously received, I'd like to announce on preliminary basis that our stockholders have approved the recommendations of the Tesla board on all agenda items except that uh, shareholders have recommended one year for non-binding advisory vote on the frequency of future votes on executive compensation. This means that I would like to officially announce our new addition to the Tesla board, J.B. Straubel. I wanted to play this clip for you because to me, this is a big moment for Tesla. I've said my piece on JB and his uh, potential and now confirmed election to the board already. But to recap that position, I'm just so glad to have him on the Tesla board. He is, as I said before, the ultimate Elon insurance. Not that I want to see Elon step away from the company, and by the way, more on that subject later in the podcast, but as an original co-founder of Tesla and the former chief technical officer, the reality is JB knows the company inside and out, back to front, and he can be an absolutely invaluable resource to Tesla. It is so good to have him back. All right, now we get to Elon's presentation on the past year and the year to come, starting with the next generation drive unit, 
that Tesla is working on. Um, we're also excited to announce our next-gen uh, drive unit, um, which is a, a big reduction in silicon carbide. Uh, it's half the factory space. Uh, notably, there are zero rare-earth elements required. So, yeah. And we're also uh, changing to uh, a 48-volt 40 volt, uh, low-voltage architecture in the, in the car. So, uh, for the, yeah, this is a big deal, actually. Um, so the, the uh, cars have been operating with 12-volt batteries for basically about a century. So for the first time in, I think, over 100 years, uh, we're actually going to change from a 12-volt uh, voltage of, you know, outside of the drivetrain to a 48-volt uh, architecture. Um, and to f first approximation, that, that means we need only about a quarter as much copper for, uh, in, in, the, in the car as would be needed for a 12-volt uh, battery. So that's a big deal, because people are often worried about, you know, is there enough copper? Yes, there is. This is super important when you're moving to much, much, much higher volumes, like, say, the Generation 3 cars that are, as we're going to hear more about in just a little while, do 5 million plus units per year. So presumably, those are all going to be single motor cars, so it's only 5 million drive units that you need and not 10 million or 7.5 million but that's still a ton of drive units. So for them to only need a quarter as much copper and no rare earth elements, that is huge. Good stuff from Tesla and the Tesla engineering team here. All right, let's hear about the growth of the full self-driving beta. Um, and FSD beta is growing uh, hyper exponentially. So <laughs> that, that, that chart is going to look like a wall, basically. Um, and um, just a question for, for those in the room. Are, uh, have, how many people have tried out FSD beta? Okay, great. <laughs> so so what, what do you think of the latest build? <laughs> right? So it's... Um, it's really getting to the point where it's, uh, at least for me, when, when I drive around, it's uh, several days between interventions. Um, and I think we're, we're getting to the point where um, th there's really just one last piece of, of, of the system that needs to be uh, a neural net, which is the, the planning and control function. Um, and, and so we, we expect to have that last piece become a neural net, so it'll be end-to-end -end from... Uh, video in to control out uh, as a neural net. Um, and yeah, so it, the, the, thing, the thing to appreciate is it's, it's not that uh, full self-driving will be as good as a person. It will be much, much better, like a lot, like uh, over time, uh, uh, 10 times more, uh, 10 times safer than a person. It's not even going to be a contest, frankly. Um, so this is, this is a really big deal. Um, and I think some people realize it, I think you guys probably realize it, but uh, the, being able to do a software update and have several million cars suddenly go from manual driving to uh, autonomous, uh, I think will be the single biggest uh, asset value increase in history. 
Um, so. The, the normal usage of a passenger car is, is quote, roughly 10 to 12 hours per week, call it an, maybe an, an hour and a half per day. And when you drive around, you see lots of cars just parked in parking lots because out of the 168 hours in a week, they're using less than 10%, less than maybe 7% of the hours of the week a, a car is in use. But once it is autonomous, uh, it, it can be used probably, I don't know, 50, 50 hours a week, maybe more. So it, it's, it, 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 it is effectively a five-fold increase in the value of a car overnight. Um, it's, I, I'm actually surprised that so few people uh, realize this, or, or maybe they just don't believe it, it's real, um, but, uh, but it is. So this is, this is really an, an insanely big deal. If you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that I've long been of the opinion that FSD, in, for me, is way too expensive for what you currently get at $15,000. And even, in my humble opinion, you may disagree, the current beta, 11 point whatever, is not sufficient for the $15,000 asking price. Now that said, the jump to version 11 has been, in my opinion, the most impressive step forward for the software yet. The pathing has gotten a lot better. I no longer have to worry about it making an unpredictable and or unsafe maneuver. And it's lane changing logic, at least on the freeway, where we just got the new stack installed, is far better than the old legacy highway stack. I am eager to see what version 12 is gonna look like when it is, as Elon said, end-to-end -end neural nets. Particularly since that one holdout in the chain there, the planning and control, is still the part of FSD that needs the most work, if you ask me. And yes, that is still true, even though I just got done saying that I think that that's gotten way better. So my point here is this. If it really does get to a point where it's a completely relaxing experience, even if you have to monitor it, but it's still a relaxing experience, it's going to sell not just a ton of $200 a month subscriptions, but a ton of Teslas as well. And then if at some point it really can get to a level four system where you can sleep in the car or play video games or watch movies or do work, then I really do believe that it will be the paradigm shift that Elon is talking about here. But I don't think that we'll see that societal effect until it's at a completely reliable level four autonomy. Will we get there at all? Probably, yes. I do believe in Tesla. I believe in the autopilot team. Will it be anytime soon? To that question, I say, I honestly don't know. But the progress has been a lot of fun to watch from my front row seat, which is the entire reason, you've heard me say it, it's the entire reason that I have wanted to be in this beta in the first place, is to have that front row seat to the progress, to the small and big steps toward fully autonomous driving. All right, now Elon's gonna talk about Tesla's next cars. Yes, as you heard me 
tease in the opener, cars plural. Take it away, Elon. So, so a Cybertruck is a hard car to make. Um, it's because it's a, such a radically new design, it actually, you, you can't just use conventional methods of manufacturing. Uh, we had to invent um, a whole new uh, set of manufacturing techniques in order to build an exoskeleton-based car instead of an endoskeleton-based car. So it's, it's extremely non-trivial to, to build the Cybertruck. Um, but uh, we're making good progress on that. We have the... Um, so, so yes, so, I, that, that's the, the, the thing I, when, when I, um, in, the, in the factory, I, I tour the, the Cybertruck line to see how, how we're doing there, and, um, and uh, sorry for the delay, but we're, we're finally going to start delivering production Cybertrucks uh, later this year, and I think the product, if anything, is better than expectations. I mean, Cybertruck is the, is the car I will be driving on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so, and, you know, people always want to know what our next product is. Um, but this is not the time to... <laughs> we obviously need to have a, you know, a proper, dedicated product launch. Um, I, I, I just want to emphasize that... We are actually building a new product. We are actually designing a new product. Uh, we're not sitting on our hands here. Um, so uh, th there are two new products that I think you will be very excited about. And both the design of the products and the manufacturing techniques um, are head and shoulders above anything else that is present in industry. So, yeah, anyways. If I were to guess, I would say of these, these two new products, just these two new products alone, I would say there's, we will probably make, obviously this is just, you know, Elon's guess. Um, so, you know, don't sue me. Um, <laughs> Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, Elon's guess is that, um, I, that that will probably make in excess of 5 million units a year of these two model models combined. I guess I could have teed that up better by mentioning that there was some Cybertruck talk up front. But anyway, a couple of things here. Number one, remember just a few weeks ago when Corey from Monroe & Associates seemed pretty adamant that the Cybertruck was not an exoskeleton? And Elon just said in that clip, exoskeleton-based. So is Elon pretty much confirming Corey's hypothesis right there? Am I reading too much into that? Now, number two, the next product, moving off of the Cybertruck, the next product is coming soon, at least so what you didn't hear in that clip, obviously you couldn't see it, there was a silhouette that they showed on the screen during Elon's, that part of Elon's presentation. And that silhouette basically was exactly, probably, the Project Highland Model 3 revamp. And I say probably because the internet sleuths in the Tesla community took that still image from the presentation 
and overlaid a Model 3 profile image, a matching Model 3 image, over the top of that silhouette, and it is an exact match. So I don't think the teaser image that they showed in that presentation was the Generation 3 car, unless, and this is definitely a reasonable possibility, unless the Generation 3 car is almost literally a smaller Model 3, at least the Model 3 as we know it today. At least in terms of the shape, that's, I'm just talking kind of the shape. There could be, you know, different taillights, different headlights, etc. Because the other piece of this, which I alluded to earlier, was these two new products being made in a combined volume of over 5 million units per year. So to me, that would seem to suggest a Generation 3 compact crossover SUV and a Generation 3 compact sedan. Unless they end up doing a hot hatch instead of a compact sedan, maybe Tesla would feel like that the SUV, the, the SUV on the same platform would eat too much into the sedan sales, perhaps but I suspect that Elon was referring to the two generation three cars being a compact sedan and a compact crossover SUV. I had a one-on-one uh, -on -one Patreon call this week with Lawton from Chicago, and he was throwing out the, the hypothesis that maybe the second of those vehicles is a minivan. And we were both then on Google as we're talking looking up minivan sales and minivan sales just don't seem to be high enough across the board to match up with that 5 million plus uh, production goal. So that's where I come back to compact sedan and compact crossover SUV, but we will find out soon enough. It's exciting stuff. All right, next up, let's hear about Optimus, the Tesla bot. I think the thing um, perhaps most, most notable is if you look at the difference between the last time we showed Optimus, and, and this is a video that was taken basically yesterday, um, and the Optimus team was up all night uh, making this video. Um, the Optimus team has done an incredible job. Um, so just, yeah. Uh, and it's uh, the, 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 the motors the controllers, um, the electronics, um, and, and everything you see in the Optimus robot is a Tesla-designed uh, system. So this is, we, we actually tried to find um, drive actuators and, and whatnot that, that were off the shelf. We, we found that there, there weren't any. Um, in order to make um, an, an, an effective uh, humanoid robot, you actually have to design um, the motors and gearboxes and the, and the electronics from scratch because it's a very different application from anything else that exists. Um, so we took our world-class uh, motor and power electronics team and, uh, and, say, and, and said, okay, we, we, we need to design uh, several um, uh, actuators that, are, that don't exist in the world. Um, and they did. So Optimus is, is, is working quite well. And then for uh, full self-driving, as full self-driving gets closer and closer to generalized real-world AI, that same uh, software is transferable to uh, a humanoid robot. Um, just like 
Um, you know, uh, we, you know, humans can obviously walk around with their arms and legs, uh, but, but we can drive a car, fly a plane, uh, steer a boat, uh, ride a horse. Um, if you have a generalized understanding, or, or if you have generalized real-world AI, which is what we are developing for full self-driving, um, it can be transferred to basically anything. Um, and um, so, so Optimus will use the same uh, FSE computer as the, as the car. Um, and um, the, the Optimus stuff is, is um, I think, somewhat, not somewhat, extremely underrated. People, people, the, the, because they, people just cannot comprehend the, 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 the consequences. Now, obviously, we need to make sure that we don't have a Terminator scenario. That's very important. Uh, it's all fun and games until Terminator shows up. Um, but uh, if you say, like, if you have had a, a generalized um, humanoid robot, uh, what would be the effective ratio of humanoid robots to humans? Because I think basically everyone would want one. And, and maybe people would want more than one, which means the actual demand for, for something like Optimus, if it really works, um, which it will, uh, is, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, 10 billion units? It's, it's, it's some crazy number. Um, it might be 20 billion units. If the ratio is, say, two to one on people, you know, humanoid robots versus people, it, it might actually be, it, it, it's, not, it's some very big number is what I'm saying. Um, and a, a number vastly in excess of the number of cars. Um, so my prediction is that uh, Tesla's long-term value uh, will be, a majority of the long-term value will be Optimus. Um, and, and that prediction I'm very confident of. I know that I usually focus on the cars on this podcast because that's what I'm personally most interested in, but I wanted to include this clip simply because of how bold a statement that Elon just made there and how, if Elon is right, Optimus would single-handedly increase the value of the Tesla stock that plenty of you out there own. Is there demand for 10 billion with a B Tesla bots? Maybe, if they're fully featured enough, but they're also going to have to be affordable enough to do those kind of numbers. If they're $10,000 a piece, they're probably not going to sell billions of them. But this, to me, Optimus is the single biggest wild card in Tesla's entire product portfolio. Not the Cybertruck, not the Roadster. It's Optimus. And next, let's move to the audience Q&A portion of the presentation now of the shareholder event. And I have to say, shout out to the Tesla community folks that were in attendance here because they asked some really good questions. Seriously, you guys get an A from me on this. But real quick, before I get to the first of the many good questions from the Q&A session, I wanna once again mention Accelerate Auto. This week's Ride the Lightning is brought to you by my old friends at Accelerate Auto, who offer the excellent X-Care extended warranty coverage for your Tesla. Again, you might be thinking, well, hey, why do I need that now that Tesla's offering their own extended warranty? 
Well, for starters, Tesla's policy offers zero flexibility. It is a fixed two-year, 25,000-mile coverage plan. Xcare, on the other hand, offers up to 10 years and 125,000 miles after your factory warranty is up. Xcare can also be purchased for any Tesla, no matter where you bought it. Tesla's plans only offer to customers who bought their cars new directly from Tesla. And you can only opt in to Tesla's warranty before your car hits 50,000 miles. Xcare, on the other hand, those plans can be purchased anywhere, anytime, up to 125,000 miles on the odometer. And finally, while both Tesla and Xcare have $100 deductibles and 24-7 roadside assistance, Xcare also offers rental reimbursement and trip interruption coverage, which Tesla does not. And Xcare covers everything that Tesla's own extended warranty does. So check them out, see which plan is right for you. Go to accelerateauto.com slash Xcare. That's X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O dot com slash Xcare. And don't forget to use the discount code LIGHTNING for $100 off of your purchase. Except, as I unfortunately have to remind you once again, for those of you in Florida, because it's apparently a state law that says they can't give discounts or price warranties differently for different people. But for everybody else, accelerateauto.com slash xcare, the $100 off discount code is lightning. All right, here's the clip of Elon talking about a potential Tesla RV. Uh, well, we're, we're, we don't have any plans to build an RV uh, quite yet, although I, I can certainly see how Cybertruck could be converted into an, an RV. Um, and, and we are um, adding a lot of sort of attach points to Cybertruck so uh, others can build things. You know, other, uh, you know somebody could have a startup or, or other companies can build things that are attachments that enhance uh, Cybertruck and, and turn it into a camper, essentially. Um, because I think it'd be really cool to have all these like third-party uh, things available for Cybertruck. Well, I think that Elon might have used camper and RV a little interchangeably there, which is fine. But yeah, if Tesla isn't going to build the camper attachment that was shown in one of the original Cybertruck product renders, that, by the way, is still on Tesla's official website at tesla.com slash Cybertruck. And by the way, interestingly... Elon mentioned on Twitter this week that, quote, Cybertruck option packages and third-party add-ons will be, and then he put two fire emojis. So to that I say, option packages? Interesting. Probably not at launch, I would suspect, or perhaps he's referring to add-ons that can be purchased and installed at service centers later after delivery, kind of like the Model 3 performance track package or the Model S Plaid track package. This is going to be interesting to watch because the first deliveries are coming right up here for the Cybertruck. We're expecting them in September. Maybe these option packages will be detailed at that delivery event in September where we finally get all of the features and the details that the community hasn't already sussed out about the Cybertruck yet. So, Hey, Elon, for the next clip here, will Tesla start advertising? So I, I hear you. I, I mean, I think um, 
And, and it's indeed ironic that, you know, <laughs> Twitter is like highly dependent on advertising. So, um, you know, here I am, it's like, uh, you know, not, never used advertising really before and uh, now uh, have a company that's highly dependent on advertising. So, um, I, I guess I should say advertising is awesome and everyone should do it. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, I think I, I hear your, your uh, sort of larger point, which is that um, there are um, amazing features and functionality about Teslas that people just don't know about. Um, and um, so, yeah. And, and, and although there's, there's obviously a lot of people that uh, follow, like, say, the Tesla account and, and, and the, and the uh, uh, you know, my account, whatever, on, on Twitter. Um, uh, to some degree, it is preaching to the choir. And the choir is already convinced. Um, so I, I think what you're saying um, does, does have some merit. And um, you know what? I, I believe in taking, taking suggestions. So um, we'll, we'll try a little advertising and see how it goes. OK. <laughs> okay. All right, I, wasn't, I, wasn't expe I wasn't expecting that level of enthusiasm. <laughs> but uh, okay, it's, it sounds like our shareholders, if I read between the lines, <laughs> subtle as it is, are saying we should probably do some advertising. Okay, very well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, as somebody who monitors and participates in the Tesla community, the online Tesla space on a daily basis, I, I am of the opinion that advertising has kind of weirdly and I'd say unexpectedly become something of a wedge issue in the Tesla community. Because some people think that Tesla, who's, as you know, never done traditional advertising, well, they've made it this far and they've succeeded in historic fashion and they simply don't need to advertise. Now, others out there think that, yes, it's time for Tesla to start educating the masses who don't already know about these cars. For his part, Elon, at least to my memory, has said that Tesla would eventually advertise. Well, it seems that day has come. Deutsche Bank has issued a note to its investors saying, quote, Tesla confirmed that the company is open to trying advertising and that, Although the topic of advertising came up during this week's annual shareholder meeting and received warm reception from the audience, this has been contemplated upon internally by the team for several months already. Tesla believes its main advertising challenge is with auto consumers' awareness around battery life and charging capabilities and durability. This issue of awareness exists even in high EV saturation areas like California, which implies there could be even more room to improve elsewhere in the country. With that said, the company indicated that it's still early days and it will need to be thoughtful about the exact channel and strategy. Now, I agree with this personally. I agree with the move to do some advertising. And as you could tell from the crowd's response, most of them seem to as well. I mean, you've heard me say a million times that Teslas sell themselves. That has always been true. 
but educating people on the benefits of these cars rather than simply letting word of mouth try to do it for you, which by the way can be good, but it also can be bad when the FUD, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt runs wild or hearsay spreads. That's where educating people on the benefits of these cars is needed, if you ask me. And now that the very good value base Model 3 starts at $40,240 before any incentives, and the extraordinarily popular Model Y starts at $48,500 and uh, offers, by the way, larger potential tax incentives up to $7,500, and the fact that Tesla has been able to successfully produce the Model 3 and the Model Y in volume means that I personally think that the time is right to start advertising. I mean, Apple, they are one of, if not the most valuable company in the world, and Apple advertises a lot. Now, I know it's, it's uh, apples to oranges, if you'll pardon the unintentional <laughs> phrasing there, but I do think there's merit to mentioning Apple. And I'm eager to see what form Tesla's first foray into traditional mainstream advertising looks like. And, and you know, I, on that aforementioned one-on-one -on -one call with Patreon backer Lawton from Chicago that I was talking about earlier, he and I, we got into talking about, I forget how it came up, but we started talking about the product adoption curve. If you're not familiar with this, it is basically a parabolic curve that, that is used to represent how product adoption tends to go. So at the tiny front end of the curve are the innovators, the people that are gonna, the, the earliest adopters, the people that are, gonna get, that are gonna take a chance on your product. Then moving up the curve a little bit, you have the early adopters. So the innovators, I would argue, were the Roadster buyers, the early adopters, the Model S buyers in the early days. Then you have a gap in this curve that's referred to as the chasm. Then you get to the middle of the graph, the middle of the curve, where on the rising portion of that up to the peak is the early majority of buyers. Then as at the other side of the peak and starting to, to curve back down, the late majority. And then the tail, the long tail end of the product adoption curve are what are termed the laggards. So I think you could make the argument, and, and I'm, at least I'm gonna present that argument now, that Tesla is at the end of the early adopters that we are not yet in the early majority. Now, it may seem like it with the three and the Y doing so great, and you might be right. You know, I, that is a debate that I think is, is, can be easily had. But I think the early adopters can encompass all of us who've purchased a Tesla so far because we've all taken a chance on a relatively young company and relatively new cars. And, uh, you know, new to a market, new to the whole paradigm of car ownership. I would argue that the early majority is, is going to be the Gen 3 buyers. So where I think advertising comes in is helping Tesla finish crossing the chasm 
to, to help them get across it like evil Knievel jumping over it and landing safely on the other side. That is personally where I see advertising being beneficial to Tesla is just traversing the chasm and landing and getting everybody over to that early majority with the generation three car and it, everything just goes totally crazy from there. And then everybody knows about these, the cars and this company and everybody starts buying the product. So that's, that's how I see it. That's kind of what Lawton and I were talking about on our one-on-one -on -one call this week. And again, maybe you agree, maybe you don't, but that's kind of where I landed on it. All right, next up, what about software developers making their own apps to sell and offer for download on the Tesla UI? This was, again, another good audience question during the Q&A session with Elon. Here you go. Well, um, I mean, the important, so I, th I think the, the notion of having entertainment apps and whatnot becomes increasingly important as the cars achieve self-driving. Um, because otherwise, the, 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 you, you, you can only really watch uh, play games or watch movies or whatever when the car is stationary. You know, which you know, if it's charging or what, whatever, that, that then you can use it. But when it's when it's at the point at which it's full self driving, I think it's very much about entertainment uh, and productivity. Um, so I think that is something that might make sense in the future. Um, the, but overwhelmingly, the focus right now uh, for, for, for Tesla software, uh, apart from improving safety, is achieving full self-driving and then getting full self-driving to be much safer than uh, human driving. Um, and then once, as we, once we achieve full self-driving, I think that there could be a lot of opportunity for, for apps and whatnot. Um, so, but you know, even in the car as it is today, for a Model S and X, um, we've we've made a, a sort of a, a full um, uh, Steam integration. So you can actually just literally log on with with a Model S or X uh, with your Steam account and play any game that is on Steam, which is a lot of games, uh, which is pretty wild. I, I think a lot of people don't don't know that. Uh, you can play with a keyboard and mouse. You can play with a joystick or controller. Um, you can also play uh, Netflix, YouTube, uh, or anything else. Um, I mean, for my little son X, uh, he, he loves watching, uh, you know, actually loves, loves watching rocket videos uh, in, the, for, on the, in the rear screen of the, the Model S and X. So, um, yeah, so it is something that we will do uh, long term. Um, but, but one of the things, we already have a lot of stuff there, and, and we'll do more as uh, self-driving becomes a, a reality. So, Pardon me if you've heard me say this before, but allowing third-party apps in the car was in fact part of Tesla's original plan with the Model S. If you Google image search a picture of the original 2012 Model S UI, you will see in the far right side of that UI a tab that says apps. Now, funny enough, you can see that UI in Gran Turismo 7 for the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, or PSVR 2 because they include a 2012 signature Model S P85 in the game. So they've got kind of a time capsule thing going on there. Anyway, uh, that apps tab remained empty from day one until the day that Tesla redid the UI for the first time and eliminated 
that apps tab. So clearly Tesla thought about this back in the very beginning. I do think it's inevitable that we will get third-party apps and a Tesla app store, but I also agree with Elon that it's not really a priority right now. Totally good question, to be clear. Again, shout out to everybody who asked questions at of Elon at this investor uh, annual shareholder day event. But this seems like something that Tesla probably doesn't really need to dedicate any resources to just yet. All right, next up, my personal favorite question of the entire event, and it was asked by a gentleman who introduced himself as Austin Gregory. So Austin, I don't know if you're out there. I tried to find you on Twitter. I was unsuccessful in doing so. I don't know if you're listening to this podcast, but wherever you are, Austin Gregory, thank you for asking about the status of the next-gen Tesla Roadster. Uh, Totally uh, fair and reasonable question. Um, Where is that thing? Um, (laughs) um, So uh, we expect to complete uh, the engineering design of the next-gen Tesla Roadster this year. Um, and hopefully start, hopefully uh, start production, this is not a commitment, but hopefully start production next year. So, um, but it is like, as you alluded to, it's, it's, it's not even the icing on the cake, it's the cherry on the icing on the cake. Um, so I, would, I wouldn't expect it to be like, uh, it's definitely not gonna be a huge contributor to, to revenue, it will be a modest contributor to profitability, but it will be sick. <laughs> so, and, um, you know, there's some value to me uh, running two companies because uh, the, it, the, the next-gen Roadster will have the SpaceX option package. So, and that, that'll make it truly next level. Finally, a meaningful update on the timeline for the next-gen Tesla Roadster. I could not get Franz von Holzhausen to give me a clear and meaningful update to the timeline back in my last interview with him in January, so I am thrilled that somebody was kind enough to ask Elon directly, and this time we got some meat to chew on. Well, I'm going to set my personal expectations at some time in 2025 because Elon, to his credit, did not make any promises. He said, you know, maybe if everything goes right, 2024, uh, you know, next year, if it manages to go into production by the end of next year, you know, sometime in 2024, hey, I'll be thrilled. But 2025 means it's between two and two and a half years out. And if we split the difference between Elon's Maybe by the end of next year, let's say that then hopefully it means about two years from right now, the next-gen Roadster is finally in production. Elon's answer about design and engineering, by the way, for the Roadster being done by the end of this year, that would seem to confirm my New Year's episode prediction uh, that the Roadster would get some kind of design tweak before it finally comes out. Because the thing is, if you think about it, if the Roadster had come out as originally intended back in 2020, as the car that we saw unveiled in late 2017, it would be about due for a design refresh by the end of 2024 
or sometime in 2025 anyway. So that seems to be exactly what's happening, except, of course, the original version never came out. Now, speaking for myself, I will say, I think the 2017 prototype is absolutely gorgeous, and I also think it's aged really well. Like, I still think that five plus years later, it looks awesome. So, I don't know if I need or even want the design to change too radically, but yes, some freshening up would certainly be welcome. I definitely, I'll say this, I definitely don't want the back end of the Roadster to change much. If you uh, need a little refresher, just Google image search it. The rear end of the next-gen Tesla Roadster, at least the prototype that was unveiled in 2017, from the taillights that I think are just sick to the absolutely imposing rear diffuser, the back end of this car does not need to be messed with. I cannot wait to see what the final form of this car looks like. The question is, when will we see it? You know, Elon was commenting, of course, on the start of production, as he should. That's what we want to know. But what about unveiling it? What about seeing it? If Tesla is finalizing the design of it this year, do they do a full-on re-unveiling, almost as if 2017 never happened? And do they do that sometime next year? Or do they wait until the last possible moment closer to production, even if that means it's sometime early in 2025, i.e. the last possible moment, meaning the point where they would need to start taking it out on the roads for testing and out onto the Fremont factory test track where people's drones would spot it and put it on YouTube. That's, that's what I mean by the last possible moment. Also, I want to comment on this subject because Tesla has not given me any reason, any good reason to talk about the Roadster in so long that you have to humor me for a second here. This past week, the Remock Nevera, the $2.4 million EV supercar from the startup Croatian company that now owns Bugatti, by the way, but the Nevera that they're only going to build 150 of them, 2.4 million a pop, but they just set a bunch of production records, including the 0 to 60 record. 1.74 seconds with a one-foot rollout, beating the 1.99 seconds with a one-foot rollout of the Model S Plaid by a good bit. So the Twitter account Tesla Economics who doesn't follow me, so I'm going to assume they don't listen to the podcast. But if you do, welcome. You're getting a shout out here. They asked on Twitter, will the Tesla Roadster be able to beat the record set by the EV Remock Nevera for the 0 to 60 time of 1.74 seconds, tagging Elon in the post? And Elon chose to respond with simply, LOL. That was his response to whether can to the question of will the roadster beat the 1.74 seconds record and certainly uh the answer the reason he's LOLing there is because according to Tesla's own information that they put out on the placard of the roadster that was that's still on display by the way at the uh at what at well part of the the, uh, the rolling mule is on display 
at the uh, Peterson Auto Museum in LA. Anyway, they claim Tesla is claiming a zero to 60 time of 1.1 seconds, or I guess second would be the more apt thing to say. Uh, but 1.1 seconds with the SpaceX package, with the video game cheat code that will be the composite uh, pressure, uh, overwrapped pressure vessel, uh, the COPV tank, and the, and the cold gas thrusters on the next-gen Tesla Roadster. So that's where the 1.1 seconds comes from. Uh, and the, th yeah, composite overwrap pressure vessels. That's what I said, right? Let me make sure I got that right for you. Anyway, so that's how the Roadster will beat the Remock Nevera's 1.73, 1.74 seconds. But uh, it's going to be awesome to see. So anyway, to wrap this up, I will say this, I am just so glad that there is progress finally being made on the Roadster project because it's been a while. Personally speaking, I have adored supercars as I think many of you have. I've adored supercars since they were posters on my walls as a kid and I cannot wait to see what Tesla's supercar A looks like and B is capable of. All right, I've got two more clips for you to finish summarizing the Tesla annual shareholder meeting. The first one, hey, Elon, what of these rumors that you're going to be stepping down from the CEO role at Tesla? Do you think you're going to stick around? <laughs> it ain't so. Uh, so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I think Tesla's going to play an important role uh, in, in AI um, and AGI, and uh, I, I think I need to oversee that to make sure it's, it's good. So, because um, that's, that's a thorny problem if there ever was one. Um, you know, like, uh, I, I think generally people do not um, very few people, even in the AI community, do not um, uh, appreciate uh, just how much capability Tesla has in AI. Um, it's by far the most advanced real-world AI. There's no one even close. Um, and um, reality has the most degrees of freedom. So I, I got to make sure that's good. Um, Sorry, and, and you were saying something? Cybertruck fully ramps. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, production. So, as I said, you know, we'll start production later this year. We'll start handing over cars later this year. There will be an S-curve of production, so it'll be slow at first, and then, and then ramping up. Um, and I guess we'll see what the demand is like. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think there's, we're likely to do probably um, a quarter million a year, I think, maybe more. Um, again, very much dependent on, on, on what the demand uh, is like. And, um, and it's, it's you know, we, we don't just need to ramp up production, but we also need to, to um, improve the, the, the production cost efficiency, so that, which is going to be also a very, very hard thing. So, uh, but I'd say it's, you know, a quarter million a year is, is a reasonable guess. Um, 
and it, it might be 500,000, I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll make as many as people want and can afford, um, and, 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 but, and then like I said, it's, it's going to be hard to make the, the cost of, uh, affordable because it is a new car, new manufacturing method. So um, in, in the grand scheme of things, relative to the production rate of all the other cars we make, it will be small, um, but, but still very cool. I know you've all heard me mention this a hundred times, but I asked Elon this exact question almost three years ago at Battery Day, and he said the same thing, 250,000 Cybertrucks per year. So it's good to know that his expectation on that hasn't changed, at least not yet. Now you heard him leave the door open for more there, but clearly the initial plan is a quarter million per year. I don't know how many production lines at Giga Texas they will need in order to do 250,000 Cybertrucks per year, but we do know that there's a ton of room at that factory to expand if needed, so I'm sure that Tesla could add another line or two if the demand for the Cybertruck necessitates it. And he's right, by the way, in that Tesla's bigger goal of getting to 20 million cars per year 250,000 Cybertrucks would only represent 0.0125% of overall Tesla annual production. The Cybertruck is practically a vanity project at that point, right? Like, we have to acknowledge that. Although, it's going to be awesome, as you heard Elon say. Okay, how about one last bit of good news to end on? Here we go. Uh, as an X-Blade owner, I would really love to get track mode. As, as a what, sorry? X-Blade. Uh, well, Plaid, no. has, Plaid has track mode. The Model X Plaid does not, though. Oh, oh, Model X. Um, yeah, we can probably add that, sure. Um, yeah, no problem. I mean, hey, why not? The Model Y performance got it. The Plaid X should, too. I mean, imagine bringing your seven-seat... 6,000 pound family SUV that can do zero to 60 in 2.5 seconds to the track or to an autocross event. I mean, hey, you spent the money on the Plaid version over the long range, you should get track mode. So good stuff there. Great shareholder meeting. Lots of good stuff if you ask me. Uh, three final points, I'll say. Uh, just three things I was maybe a little bummed by or two things. Number one, no question about when the Model 3 and the Model Y will be getting hardware for. A little bit of a bummer. I mean, I would expect that the Project Highland revamp that we're expecting, again, the theory is next month, you know, to go with the return of the long range. If that proves to be the case, those cars will certainly have hardware for. And then the Model Y is a little bit bigger of a question mark since the Project Juniper revamp there is not scheduled until next year. So I really don't know if they'll hold out on putting hardware four on the Model Y that long, but we shall see. I would have loved a question about that, but again, not judging anybody, not faulting anybody. It's, you know, you've got, you got to stand up and get in line at the event to have a chance to ask a question. And then you have to hope that there's enough time for them to get to your question. The people that asked questions asked really good questions. Although the one other one I will say that I think would have been particularly great to ask, there were no questions about transferring FSD, 
which I think would have been a really good time for it because you got the crowd cheering on the person that would have asked that question. You would have really had the crowd rally behind that person. It's it's a lot different. The reality here, it's a lot different for Elon to answer that question on an earnings call, which he has, and he's just shut it down, versus a room full of customers who also happen to be shareholders who would cheer him on if he said yes. So... Maybe we'll just, let's put that in our back pockets for next year for any of you that are lucky enough to win the random lottery drawing to get to go to the 2024 shareholder meeting. If you do, I think that's a great one to ask about, to ask to Elon directly. What about transferring your FSD subscription because your car gets totaled or what have you? Let's let's put it to him directly the next chance we get. But again, that's all, those two things, that's nitpicking. I recognize I'm nitpicking. I hope that everybody who got to go to the event in person had a great time. I mean, it seemed like a fun event. They had a Cybertruck out front to look at. They had the Midnight Cherry, uh, Midnight Cherry Red Model Y from Giga Berlin out front, along with a Quicksilver Model Y as well, both brought over from Giga Berlin. And I saw that they did some factory tours there as well. So it seemed like it was worth the trip for any of you that might have gotten the opportunity. And that brings us to the end of this week's Tesla news because the annual shareholder meeting was the news this week. But stick with me. Uh, We are running too long to get to any Ride the Lightning calls for this week, but I promise I will get to them next week. I've got plenty of those calls from you guys teed up and ready to go. But if you'd like to call in, maybe responding to something I said, responding to something that you heard Elon Musk say in the annual shareholder meeting, you can call in anytime. There are two easy ways to do so. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at my podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question and call in and leave a message anytime, day or night on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. But for now, quick little 10-second break, and I'll be back with your pro tip of the week and more right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. Well, I had a great time at the Tesla owners of Silicon Valley Tacos and Teslas event last weekend that I had mentioned. I had fun drinking the last of my Giga beer with listener and Patreon backer Chase Lancaster. So Chase, thanks for hanging out, spending some time and uh, sharing a couple of beers there. That was fun. Entertainment recommendation for you for this week. Hey, Beavis and Butthead is back for a second new season of its revival at Paramount+. Plus. I'm enjoying it so far. I know, you know, maybe you had to be a certain age. I definitely was the right age for Beavis and Butthead originally. So it's funny to me, maybe not to you, but uh, if that is of interest, that second new season is available on Paramount+. Plus. Pro tip of the week time, here's Alex. 
Hello, Ryan, Daisy, Selena, and listeners. It's Alex here again with a quick pro tip. In a Model 3 or Model Y, you may need to turn on the headlights manually in some situations, such as when you drive into fog or low cloud and you want to turn on the headlights or the fog lights if your Tesla is so equipped. Quickest way I've found to do this is to press the left stalk forward. This displays buttons near the bottom of the screen, which you can activate with your thumb. It's recently become possible to turn the fog lights on without the headlights being on. I'm sure that's changed sometime recently. Isn't it great how our cars improve over time and all these little changes come in unannounced? It's an advantage because now you don't need to turn the headlights on manually. That means you don't need to turn them off again later, which you used to have to do. I'm aware that pressing the left stalk forward also turns on or turns off the auto high beams, but that feature doesn't bother me since I know the next time I activate autopilot, the auto high beams will come back on by themselves. Thank you for all your work you do in this podcast, Brian. It's taken me several attempts just to record this short segment, so I have a whole new appreciation for how much work you must put in each and every week in your recording and editing. It's an absolutely top job. I really appreciate it. So thanks again. Alex, you did great. Your call sounds excellent, but hey, thank you for the kind words. Whether or not I have any skill at this is up for debate, but I've definitely got a lot of practice at this between, what, 400-plus hour-long episodes of this podcast, 500-plus of my Xbox podcast at IGN, uh, let's see, 60-plus of my interview show IGN Unfiltered, and about 400 of my original Xbox podcast from OXM. So I guess that's around 1,400 episodes of podcasting. I've still got a long way to go to get to that Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. But hey, anyway, back to your pro tip. Thank you for this. It's a nice little shortcut that the Tesla team built into the UI. I love it. Saves you some button presses on the screen if you need it. Good call, Alex. Thank you very much for sending this in. And if anybody else out there has a good pro tip of the week, please send it my way so that I can share it with the uh, the Ride the Lightning. I was going to say the IGN audience because I was just in the IGN mode of, of mentioning that. The Ride the Lightning audience. Send it my way the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. All right. Before I get out of here, let me mention some friends of Ride the Lightning that I hope can be of use to you. I will start with abstractocean.com. They've got so many great aftermarket accessories for all four Teslas currently in production. Check them out at abstractocean.com. And if you find stuff you like, throw it into your online shopping cart. And when you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST to get 15% off of your first order. That coupon code again, RTLPODCAST, all one word, no spaces. Meanwhile, the snap plate is the front license plate bracket that I recommend rather than the one that Tesla gives you. Check it out at everyamp.com slash RTL. That is the place to go. It's available again for all four Teslas that are currently in production. And it is going to leave no unsightly anything behind if you want to take it off. But when it's on, it's on securely. It's a nice minimalist design that's going to blend really nicely with the front end of your car. Take a look. Check it out. Everyamp.com slash RTL. How about solar? 
If you'd like to go solar, yeah, you're probably gonna look at Tesla Solar. I did, and maybe Tesla Solar is gonna work for you. If it does, great. If it doesn't, I humbly encourage you to check out budgetsafesolar.com. That's who ended up taking care of me, and I'm very happy with the result. They want you to contact them today if you have the slightest interest in installing solar on your home or business property, because tomorrow your neighborhood may have reached its circuit capacity and not be able to handle another customer supplying that aged infrastructure until repairs are completed who knows when from now. Don't get shut out. Check them out, budgetsafesolar.com. They also offer battery, uh, you know, battery storage options to go with your solar system as well. So budgetsafesolar.com, if you do proceed with an installation, please use the referral code RTL. How about Immaculate Reflections? That's my detailer here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. I cannot recommend Immaculate Reflections enough. Go to their website at irdetailing.com to check it out, to get in touch, to book in some service, whether that's, uh, you know, there's a few different services you might want. There's paint protection film on some or all of the car. There's ceramic coating on the car so that you don't have to wax it for the next three to five years because the ceramic coating is a next generation wax. There's also, of course, paint correction to get your paint finish looking as good as it possibly can. If any of that is of interest to you on your Tesla or any of your other cars, and you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, again, go to irdetailing.com to connect with Immaculate Reflections. And when you do, mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and there will be a nice little discount waiting for you. puretesla.com slash RTL. That's your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. 49 bucks will get you the 128 gigabyte micro SD based kit that plugs into your Tesla's USB port that is gonna be bulletproof. It's gonna be the thing that's gonna just work for that constant reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode need to do. So 49 bucks shipped free anywhere in the US. They do also offer worldwide shipping, but there is a modest shipping fee on a global order, a non-US order. So check them out at puretesla.com slash RTL. They also have a 256 gigabyte kit for $69. They also offer a wireless game controller kit if that's of interest to you as well. Finally, I mentioned it at the top of the podcast, but one more time real quick, the Patreon. Patreon is the way you can voluntarily choose to support my efforts with this podcast. My Patreon website is found at patreon.com slash teslapodcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. There are various support tiers that you can choose to support me at on Patreon. They start at just five bucks a month. And that $5 a month tier will get you early access to each week's episode, meaning you will get every week's episode a day early. It'll be, it'll be there for you when you wake up on Saturday morning rather than on Sunday morning since I record it late Friday nights. There's also the $10 a month tier that of course gets you not just the early access, 
but those weekly lightning round bonus mini episodes that are on a different topic each week as well. Uh, I remind you too that if you want us, if you want to do a pledge for an entire year, just do the one-time annual pledge. You get a 10% discount for doing so. So that's a nice little perk if you're kind enough to give me that full 12-month commitment. So the Patreon page again is found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. You can subscribe to slash follow this podcast on any of the major podcast services. That's totally free. All that's doing if you decide to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast service. It just means that the podcast, every new episode will get pushed out to you automatically instead of you having to remember, oh yeah, it's Sunday. There's a new Ride the Lightning today. So you can subscribe slash follow on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on Spotify. I sound like I'm naming Santa's reindeer here. On Google Podcasts, on Stitcher. Anyway, that's a that's a dumb joke. I'm sorry. I'm also on YouTube. It's audio only, but if you do just prefer to listen on YouTube, search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube. You should find my channel very easily and can subscribe there. You know, one other thing I'll mention that I did put on my YouTube page, you know, YouTube allows you to do playlists. So I put together a playlist of all of my big interviews from over the years. So maybe you don't want to listen on YouTube, but if you just kind of want to, maybe you're a newer listener and you want to refer back to, oh, what are some of the cooler interviews that you've done over the years, Ryan? Well, they're all listed in a playlist right there on my YouTube channel from Elon Musk on episode 200 to both Franz von Holzen, pardon me, try that again, rewind, to both Franz von Holzhausen interviews to many other awesome folks in the Tesla community that I have had the privilege of sitting down and interviewing over the almost eight years that I've been doing this podcast. Anyway, uh, and then also, again, with the referral program back, I encourage you, if you are purchasing a Tesla, to use somebody else's referral code, somebody else in your life, a friend, a family member, a coworker, whatever it is. But if you, if you, if none of that applies to you, if you just need somebody's re- uh, referral code, please email me teslapodcast at gmail.com. And I'm happy to give you mine, or you can DM me on Instagram or message me on Twitter, whatever works for you. Again, in the spirit of trying to keep to the letter of the law on the rules of the new referral program, you're not supposed to put your referral program, you're not supposed to broadcast it out on big platforms like a YouTube video or a podcast. So I want to be respectful of Tesla's rules on that. But again, if you do just need a referral code, because I want you to get the, the perks, I want you to get those, those loot box credits. If you just need one, drop me a line some way, somehow, and I'll give you mine, but hopefully you can find somebody else's. Follow me on Twitter, at DMC underscore Ryan. Same handle on Instagram, if that's of interest, DMC underscore Ryan. My email address, which isn't just for submitting Ride the Lightning hotline calls, you can email me at any time for any reason at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Finally this week, I want to say hello and thank you 
to the upper tier Patreon backers. I want to start with the maximum plaid backers because there is a new one. A big hello and a thank you goes out to Tom Behan. Tom, thank you so much for your very generous maximum plaid Patreon support. And I'll say thank you and hello to the rest of the Maximum Plaid backers. They are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoy, ContactOneCallCenter.com, Jason Chalukas, Travis Krenzel, and Bruce Otterstein. Thank you to the Roadster in Space tier backers. They are the most generous of the most generous. Thank you very much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, who I really enjoyed our conversation. It was just last night, actually. We had a good chat. Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, who I'm going to be talking to this weekend, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Carol Weston, Robert from near Philly, and Chase Lancaster. Thank you all so much. And then finally, the grandfathered-in Plaid-level supporters who are very generous to continue backing me at the Plaid level, even though that is officially no longer a tier. Thank you so much to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla owners club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Thank you all uh, to all of the Patreon backers for your generosity, no matter what Patreon tier you're backing me at. I really appreciate your support. And thank you to all of you for listening to me week in and week out here on Ride the Lightning. I try to make it fun, try to be enthusiastic, try to have a good time celebrating this thing, Tesla, that we all enjoy so much, these great cars, this company with its its uh, awesome mission statement that it's making awesome progress on achieving. It's just been awesome here. Uh, I'll stop saying the word awesome, I promise. But seriously, thanks to all of you for your time, for your attention, and to the Patreon backers for your generosity uh, on Patreon as well. 
That'll do it for Ride the Lightning episode 407. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.